Hello and welcome to Enlightened Empaths, your community for the spiritually awakened. Today we're going to talk about body language. You know, every time we speak to someone, we're engaging in a group, we're in a meeting, we are giving off subtle cues without even being aware of it. It's a series of subconscious movements that we can learn to recognize. And Denise and I feel like it'll help us empaths cue into what someone is really feeling. And when you understand the inner language of the body, you can learn to discern what emotions are yours and which ones are other people's. You might be talking to someone who's smiling and nodding, and yet you as an empath feel suddenly nervous and unsure when a moment before you didn't. Then you look down and you notice the person's leg is shaking up and down. Now you know, oh, it's not me. I'm picking up on their repressed nerves and anxiety. So we thought it would be fun to dive down the rabbit hole of body language where we can help us interpret not only our own body language, but other people's. This is something I've always paid attention to. Have you, Denise? I have. And, and it's, I think part of it was being very shy and observant and always kind of in the background for so many years that you become subtly aware of it. Or if you've grown up in an environment where you had to be uh, on red alert or aware of watching someone's behaviors to, for, for your own safety or well-being, that's another time that um, you, you may become more attuned to someone else's body language. Yeah, I agree. Or if you grew up in a family where everything's perfect on the surface, but you had to look at their eyes or at their facial expressions to really figure out what was going on, you may already be clued into body language. I think the first place we should start is with their eyes, because the eyes truly are the windows to the soul. Do you ever, like when you see a photo of someone, do you ever put your hand over their mouth so you can just focus on their eyes and see what they're really saying? I haven't, but now I'd like to try it. I do that often, especially if I'm trying to like figure out information for a reading or if I'm trying to discern what I really feel about a politician before voting. I just put my hand over their nose and and mouth on the photo and I look into their eyes. You You can tell a lot that way. I, I heard this years ago that the, the lying thing, people will subconsciously turn their eyes like to the left if they're lying, like a quick millisecond. And, or they, you can usually watch, and I used to know this person who they would get like the slightest twitch in, in their left eye when, when they were lying. And you, when you know people, so if you're dealing with someone who may have addiction issues or who is a liar or who's a narcissist, pay attention to their eyes and that you'll usually find whatever that code is with them that will help you read the situation a little better. Yeah. If someone looks to the left, it's they're activating their thinking mind. So they're trying to think about their response. Whereas if they look to the right, they're activating their memories. So that's often a good indication of lying. If they look to their left, they might be lying, looking to the right, it's the, the creative right brain side. Oh, that's interesting. Blinking a lot can also indicate lying, especially if it's accompanied by touching their face. Now, if the person is looking around a lot, this can tell you something too. If someone glances at the door, it can mean they want to leave the conversation. Whereas squinting eyes can mean the person doesn't like or believe what you're saying. Now, according to body language experts, if you're on a date, 
and your date looks at your mouth while you're talking, that's a sure sign they want to kiss you. <laughs> uh, the other part of this is if people don't blink, that can be a sign of lying as well. Like if it's just that, that you know how they'll always say if someone doesn't make contact, but if it's too much eye contact with no blinking and it becomes more of a stare, that can also be an indicator that someone's not being fully honest with you. Interesting. Now, everything I read said all of these rules go out the window for sociopaths because they're really good liars and they're really good mimickers. Mm -hmm. But I do think that a lot of sociopaths, when they're lying, they will smile or laugh a little because they enjoy getting away with the lie. So that's a tell I've noticed in all my many times of watching like Dateline or ID. <laughs> well, and you know, when we were looking into the show, I found this site that was talking about empaths being natural lie detectors because there's so many signs that are revealed when you look straight into someone's eyes that can give you more details to the story that, that match up with maybe some subconscious body movements. So um, we don't really need that because as empaths, we're so sensitive to other people's emotions, we might just feel it in our gut. And that's important. So even if you're not seeing, this is my own personal opinion, is that even if you're not seeing these subtle movements, but your body or your intuition is screaming at you, this doesn't feel right, please always use that as your default position. Trust your empathy. That is so true. Now, it's also important to pay attention to how someone positions themselves near you. If someone stands or sits close to you, they like you. But if they keep their distance or take a step back, it could indicate that they aren't sure about you or they're not really into what you're saying. However, if they mirror your body language, like both of you are sitting with your legs crossed or your arms folded, this is a really good sign that they like you, they agree with what you're saying. If someone leans in while talking to you, then that, that means they feel very comfortable with you. Years ago, years and years ago, um, I had a friend and we were out to dinner and I knew he was interested. It was asked after my divorce and we were kind of doing this dating thing. And he um, turned his chair when we would be eating to like square off and face me. And I had read an article that said that was a sign that someone was into you into you or wanted to know you better or wanted more. It's almost like they're blocking off the other energy in the room when they square off with you physically like that at the table, like kind of sit and align their chair. And then I realized as things progressed and I was getting all these red flags, something doesn't feel right. This isn't matching up with the words coming out of this person's mouth. I watched the subtle changes in the body language and it was absolutely amazing to watch. And that makes me sound like I'm overanalyzing things, but it was more validation with what my, again, my empathy and my intuition was telling me, even though the words were something different. It was like he couldn't hide the body language that he didn't realize he was doing. Does that, did that come out the right, right way? Yeah, okay. and that's, yeah, it did. And that's the honest part of a person that's coming out through their body language. And you've got to pay attention to it. And if it bothers you, it's bothering you for a reason. Years ago, I dated someone and he would always walk two feet in front of me. Oh, this person did the same thing. Oh, it drove me crazy. And I would say to him, I am not a geisha. Hello. Hold <laughs> up. 
And he would say, oh, I'm sorry. I'm just always in a rush. And he was a rushy type person. You know, he was always running in marathons and just, you know, type A, overactive, always going, going, going. So for the first few months, I was like, okay. But it never stopped bothering me. And it's not the reason why we broke up, but I'll tell you, it was a significant fact. I want someone to walk by my side. Yeah, but I, it's similar, yes, because I remember saying, if you think that I'm going to run to, because this man was very tall, and I said, if you think I'm going to run to catch up, you've got another thing coming. And it, but I almost felt offended that it was, because in my mind I was thinking, do you not want to be seen with me? Right, right. Which I I think is a natural response. Yeah, I do too. There's just an arrogance to it. And when I was reading all these body language articles, that kept coming up, that it's a sign of dominance and arrogance and that type of person should be avoided. Did I tell you, I don't know if I told you or just mentioned it on the show, so I apologize if I'm repeating this, but a couple of weeks ago, my daughter was with her friend. They went to a restaurant and, you know, with this pandemic thing, you, they couldn't eat inside. So they got their meal to go. And they're sitting in her car eating, and it's pouring rain. And they actually filmed this little quick 10-second video of this man escorting his girlfriend out of the restaurant, holding the umbrella over her head, walking her to her passenger door, holding the door open, waiting for her to get inside, and then running around and getting inside themselves. And my daughter came home, and she goes, how sad is this? How sad is this that my friend and I noticed this, recognized it, videoed it to share it with our friends? She's like, this is how low the bar is for good men. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh. But, you know, all of those little looking out for you, a hand on your lower back, holding. I even read if someone holds your hand with palms touching, that means they like you. But if they just lightly hold your hand as you're walking, that's not a good sign of intimacy. That's true. So jump back to the eyes for a minute. Yeah. Because I was listening to this woman, and I want to read the book. She was a Holocaust survivor. She's 92. She wrote her first book at 90. And I don't know if I have her name, but I want to look up this book. But I saw her doing an interview with someone. Her name was... Dr. Edith Eager, and the name of the book was The Gift, and she wrote about, but one, anyway, cut to the chase, her, uh, she was talking about you can use your eyes to send love and kindness and empathy, or you can use your eyes to send malice and hatred, and she said it's completely your choice how you use, but it, it goes back to what you just said a few minutes ago about your eyes being the window of the soul. She said what you choose to send with your eyes is what people are going to feel from you. That is so true. And you can see that. I mean, remember being a kid in the first day of class and the teacher would walk in. Couldn't you tell in the first five minutes if this was going to be a good semester or a tricky semester? Yeah. And also just by when, how the teacher looked at everyone. When people don't feel like they're even like if they're looking all over the place and I'm not talking about if you have um, ADHD or you have something where you're always constantly, you know, you have that energy, but if you're, you're having a conversation with someone and they're not attending to you or, or paying attention or you can see that they're distracted and looking all around, that doesn't feel good. Oh, no. It, eye contact is so important. Now, steady, nonstop eye contact, just as creepy as no eye contact. Oh, oh, that's uncomfortable. 
yeah, so it's got to be a balanced thing. But you want someone to look you in the eye. That's why parents will always say, look at me when you're talking to me. Because you can read someone's emotions and if they're telling the truth or not, or if they're being sincere, or as you said, sending love or something else by staring into their eyes. And that's interesting too, because that can be cultural and having respect for that. I've lived in some different places where it wasn't respectful to make eye contact with an adult. And that was a really hard thing for me because these children were told, you don't make eye contact, you, you, they would look away, they would look down. And I thought when I first got there, they were being disrespectful, but it was more, uh, it was just the way they were brought up in culture. And, and that was um, a big lesson. So I think that's another aspect is if you're living in a part of the world where eye contact, there might be variances and rules that, that don't apply to other places, but for the most part, making contact and showing your interest and making that connection with someone it, as empaths, I think we feel it so deeply when someone looks right into our eyes. I agree. Now, you can also look at their head nodding. If someone you're talking to someone either in an interview or a date or just a group meeting, if they're slowly nodding a few times while you're talking, that shows the person is interested in what you're saying. But several quick nods, though, can mean they're bored. It's as if they're saying, yeah, 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 hurry up. If they tilt their head towards you, this is a good indication they are invested in the conversation. But if they tilt their head back, they may be unsure of what you're saying or untrustful of what you're saying. Tilting the head to the side indicates interest. Also, supposedly, if a woman touches her hair a lot, it means she likes you. Every time we touch or move our hair, we release pheromones. Whereas a man will often draw attention to his strong jaw to show that he likes you unconsciously. When a man rests his chin pensively in his palm while you're talking, that's said to indicate his interest in you on a date as well. Okay, so now this goes back to, you know, when you know people in your life, that yes, these all make perfect sense, but the tilting to the, I, I have someone close to me in my life who, when, who doesn't really understand the juju woo woo part of who I am. So when I'm talking to this person, He'll immediately, when I know I've gone over that line of, I don't know if I believe you about this, he instinctively tilts his head to the right. You know how a lab will like tilt their head and look at you like, okay, I'm paying attention. Yeah. That, that's that tilt. But I always know for this person in particular, it's that I'm not sure if this is, is sane or not. I'm not sure how I feel about this because it's not in his wheelhouse of comfort to understand this. He's just not wired that way. Yeah, but I, I've, I've watched it over this subtle thing and all of a sudden that the head tilts and I can see the wheels turning in there of, I'm not quite sure about this. So I, I think when you know someone or certain behaviors or mannerisms someone has, they might override what we're saying. That is such a good point. People will like show their neck, lift their chin up and show their neck when they're showing interest. There's a vulnerability with that. Yes, with the head nods, that's very, very much an expressive thing to pay attention to. Did you know that our hair flipping released pheromones? I did not. I, I knew the hair flipping and the playing with hair or twirling hair or, you know, the big hair toss thing. I knew all of that, but I didn't know about the pheromones. I just keep seeing an image of Jan Brady marching off with her hair flipping from side to side. <laughs> 
Now, I had also read if you're on a date and someone touches their earlobe a lot, it means they like you. Oh. And I don't know why that is. Like the, the neck thing you explained, that makes sense. It's like a dog showing you his or her belly to show I'm, I feel safe with you. But the earlobe thing, I'm not sure I understand. And yet that's what research is showing. Hmm. Now that's you, interesting. I know. Now you looked into some of the science of this. Do you want to talk about that? I do. Let me see, find the notes on that. Um, well, the mirror neurons. Yeah, because nonverbal communication is, is being researched all around, like so much. And they did this uh, study on mirror neurons. And they're talking about how we'll physically copy another person's body language. And that will give you insight into how the other person feels. So we might do this consciously or unconsciously. So if similar to, you know, that whole copycat feature of the motor cell responsiveness, the neuroscientists have called these mirror neurons reflect the actions we observe in someone else. It's almost like we're seeing it in a mirror. So we may consciously or unconsciously align with that. And that gives us more of a connection and a more of an empathetic feeling with them. One way you can, uh, to, know if you're doing this or to make it more about yourself if you're always mirroring to make it okay for someone else is to how does this feel in my physical body bring yourself back to yourself so if you're always adjusting yourself to someone else's body language and then realizing huh that i'm just mirroring mirroring them and not expressing my own needs or wants in this relationship or situation bringing your back, yourself back to your physicality, whether it's your own heartbeat, the way your shoes fit, how, you know, just feeling very physical and body related, and then refocusing on the other person's body language. And, and like in your mind, tell yourself something about, wow, they're, they're turning their body towards me, or they're playing with their ear, like be really noticing that. And that's going to help you bring yourself back to self. And that was kind of convoluted. But, but what the, the point being is if you're an empath and you're reading someone else's body language, you might instantly merge with someone else's emotions and take that on. But when you're able to come back into your own physicality, you're able to almost put that buffer up and notice what's yours and what's theirs. So instead of just mirroring that, you learn to differentiate between the two. That's a really good tip, and it's a, it's a great way to start to consciously practice putting up that energetic barrier so empaths aren't taking on the emotions of other people. Right. and Because I wonder how much of this is habit. Yes, or learned behaviors. But then there's other, and this was from WebMD, they were talking about um, body language can reveal that there's an empathy gene, which we've talked about epigenetics, we've talked about you know, some of us know that we have a natural lineage with someone in our family that, that had um, extreme empathy. But what they were saying is that they're noticing this new study. This wasn't 10 years ago, so it's not that new, that empathic body language and behavior are linked to a genetic variation associated with sociability. So people with this pro-social gene displayed more caring and trusting nonverbal behaviors like head nods, smiles, eye contact when they were listening to someone that they loved who had been was going through a rough time. So then they taped these people, they videoed them and they started watching for, um, to see, is this a genetic reaction? 
and prior to the taping, each person was tested for a specific gene associated with oxytocin, and that's the hormone that plays a role in sociability, personal bonding, maternal behaviors, and it's also called the love hormone. And they said that the two copies of the, the G version of the gene tend to be more pro-social and behave in ways that benefit other people. People with the A version of the gene tend to have lower levels of empathy, and, and they even found there was a, a higher risk of autism for, for a lot of people with the A version of the gene. But when they did all these clips, they, and it wasn't a huge study, but they, they did a, a study and they said they were able to rate the listener on how kind, trustworthy, and caring they thought the person was based on their body language. And the people that had the G genetic variation were rated as more empathic than the others. It, I, I just thought it was very interesting. That is super fascinating. It's all in our genes. I Sometimes I don't like to think about that. Well, but then I started thinking about um, why, and not just like physical characteristics, but how, if you don't know your lineage or you don't know where this may have come from, why could it be one specific little twitch can change who you are and it hasn't impacted anyone else in your family for generations and then all of a sudden it shows up again. I guess that is genetics. That is interesting. I I have a client who went through a really serious trauma with one of her children years ago. One of her children was kidnapped and was found and she's fine now. But she was saying to me on the phone a couple of months ago, I don't feel anymore. And she said, ever since that happened, I have shut down. I can't cry anymore. I just have numbed myself. And so I wonder if, even if it is in our genes, I wonder if life circumstances can change that. Or I wonder if you're not a normally expressive person, if you can change that as well. I think like, so. I, think so. I, I definitely think so. And I agree about the trauma and the impact it has on your ability to feel or to express. That's huge. It is. And like you were saying before, learned behavior, like everything I read for this show said that people who cross their arms and their legs are closed off. Well, I always cross my arms and my legs. I've done it for years, mainly because I'm always cold. Okay. And this is, this is an odd part of this, but, years and uh, that can also you know how they'll say you cross your arms and you're protecting your solar plexus you're protecting your heart that can also be if you're uncomfortable like you're self-conscious physically like if you're feeling like oh i'm too big or i'm too heavy or i'm hiding my belly or that can also be not not so much that you're being defensive it can be feeling a little insecure as well Okay, so now I'm picturing someone with crossed arms and crossed legs and hunched over. Oh. Like that to me is that insecure, don't see me, don't look at me posture. Right. I just mean like, well, for example, my mom made me go to cotillion for three years during middle school. So it was beaten into me that ladies cross their legs. Mm -hmm. So we were trained to cross our legs either at the ankle or the knee. And I've just always done that. And then when I'm sitting in a room, like a classroom or a meeting situation, it's usually freezing 
with the fluorescent lights blaring over me. And so my legs are crossed because that's how I was trained. And then I cross my arms because I'm cold. Mm-hmm. And now I'm wondering, do I give off this impression of I'm closed off? I remember when I met you, you were cold. You yeah. were in that <laughs> Yeah, I'm always cold. I always have a little sweater in my purse, no matter what time of the year it is. So all I'm saying is, I think you have to look at the body language as a whole, along with the energy the person is exuding. Because I don't think I give off the impression of, don't see me, don't talk to me. No, no, you don't. But in general, if someone is slumped and their arms are crossed, it can mean that they're nervous or anxious. But again, look at the smile, look at their eyes. If they're relaxed, if they're talking to you, it could just be their habit. But if someone, let's say you're talking to someone, maybe you're on a date or something and everything's going fine. And then all of a sudden they sit back and cross their arms. That might not be a good sign. Exactly. That's blocking. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's blocking on, on purpose. Now what I find fascinating is to look at their feet Mm-hmm. If you look at a person's feet while you're talking to them, you can tell a lot about what they're feeling. Like, let's say someone's super smiley and they're nodding appropriately and they're keeping good eye contact. But if their feet are pointed away from you, it could mean that they actually want to leave this conversation. If their feet are pointed towards you, that's a good sign. It means they're interested. But if they're pointing towards someone else, they might want to be talking to that person instead. And it's subtle. People, people don't realize they're doing it most of the time. Now, I read this other little tidbit that I thought was super fun. If you're in a group of people just socializing and laughing and someone makes a joke and everyone laughs, the first person that you look at is the one you like the most in that group. Yeah. So give it a try the next time you're hanging out with friends and you're all just talking and someone makes a joke. The minute someone laughs, see who looks at you first and see who you look at. It'll give you a good sign. Oh, my. Now, we can also... Go ahead. No, no, go ahead. We can also look at their hands. If someone's holding something like a clipboard or a menu, this can be like a subconscious barrier and can indicate that the person is either uncomfortable around you or just a reserved person, or trying to block closer contact. If you're sitting across from someone at the restaurant and they put their head in their hand, this means they're trying to concentrate on what you're saying. But if they put their head in both hands, elbows on the table, this can indicate boredom. Sometimes nervous hands indicate a nervous person, but often if someone is like jamming their hands in their pockets, this can mean they're just shy or that they're lying or being untruthful in some way. Whereas open palms, showing both palms is a sign of honesty, as though the person is saying, look at me, I got nothing to hide. Whereas hand scratching or rubbing the neck mean they're unsure of you or concerned or stressed about the conversation. Now, this goes back to the genetics. My grandmother always used to, very unconsciously, she would uh, twiddle her thumbs. She would just, you'd be talking to her and you'd watch and her thumbs were always moving. I was sitting outside the other day and I was sitting there in the chair and then all of a sudden I I realized, oh my God, I'm sitting here doing the same thing my grandmother did. I wasn't conscious of it, 
I wasn't, there was nothing going on emotionally that was bringing it in. It was just almost like I was doing it with that. I wasn't thinking of her or thinking of that side of my family or anything. It was just very strange to, but it was almost like a, a comfort, a muscle memory thing that didn't make any sense to me, but was happening. Were you feeling nervous or fidgety? No. You were just fiddling your, oh, that's interesting. Because I, everyone in my, all the women in my family, we twirl our hair. Okay. Like if we're sitting in class or on a Zoom meeting and we're bored, we'll just subconsciously start twirling our hair around one finger. Yeah. And it's just all the women, we all do it. My sisters do it. My kids do it. I do it. I don't know if that's a learned behavior or just a common thing women do when they're bored. See, now when, and then there are the people who wring their hands and that's one of my signs from spirit when I'm doing a reading is if I sense someone wringing their hands, it usually means someone worried a lot or they had bad arthritis in their hands if I'm talking to someone who's passed. So I feel like your hands can tell, and you can tell a lot from people's hands. Yeah, you definitely can. You can tell a lot from someone's handshake too. Oh, yeah, we've talked about this. Yeah, we have. Yeah. Those limp, cold <laughs> handshakes. Not, oh, there's no need of that. No, no need, need of, that. of that at all. So if someone is standing like with their hands on their hips, that's a sign of dominance or I'm in control. I've also noticed if people, if you're sitting in a meeting, if someone makes that triangular shape with their hands, have you ever noticed like they yeah. put both hands together, thumbs and forefingers touching? That's always been a sign of dominance to me too. Like I'm in charge of this meeting. Well, I, you know how people will put their hands behind their head and like put their elbows, like the, yeah. the rest in their head. I've also heard that that's a sign of feeling superior or more in control. Yep, I agree. Or kind of cocky, like I got this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep. Now you can also look at the mouth. If someone has pursed lips, it can mean they're disapproving or not enjoying the conversation. Or if they bite their bottom lip, that means they're nervous or feeling unsure of themselves. If they cover their mouth with their hand, this can indicate lying or the individual just isn't sure of what they're saying. Also, always look at the eyes again because a genuine smile makes it to the eyes. So you want to watch for those eye crinkles. And did you know, Denise, a study showed most men stop showing big, happy grins by the time they hit elementary school, unless they're really, truly happy? So you want to watch for the front teeth. If a guy smiles so big that his eyes crinkle and you can see his top front teeth, then he likes you. Huh. That's interesting. Yeah, you have sons. Do you think that's true? Yes, I do. Wow. I do. And I remember middle school was when they both became much more, uh, gar not guarded, but um, didn't show as much emotion. So definitely. Another thing can be people will cover their mouths if they're embarrassed about their teeth or their smile or um, they're not feeling confident. Sometimes they'll put their hand up by their mouth. True, true. Yeah, these aren't, you know, hard and fast rules. These are general tips that psychological studies have shown but you're definitely right about that one. Now, if, so, if someone shrugs their shoulders, it means they're not sure of what you're saying or they might not agree with what you're saying, but they're not willing to talk about it at the moment. Yes. So a shoulder shrug can mean like, oh, I don't know about that or I'm not sure about you. 
Or again, it could just be a habitual thing, but I think it's important to pay attention to that. Now, have you ever been with someone whose one of their legs shakes constantly up and down like a little mo- yes. motor? Yes. Yeah, I, I always had one student in every class, it's usually a guy, and one of his legs would just go up and down, up and down. If someone is jittery and one of their legs is bouncing up and down, this shows that they're nervous inside a lot and can't contain it, but they're trying to. It usually reveals just a generally anxious person. So It can also be really, really indicative of attention deficit disorder or attention yes. deficit hyperactivity disorder. They just, it's all that pent up and that's the way to do it. And some people, it's just constant. I do it. I have... I, I sometimes I'll catch myself and my knee will just start going. And if I'm kind of revved up about something, I'll notice that I do it. Well, for me as a teacher, that was always an indication of a kinetic learner. You know, someone who learns best by doing. So I would usually have that student walk around while reading out loud or, you know, do something that was more expressive because usually those are the type of learners that have to be moving and going and doing but it can indicate just some general anxiety. Yes. Yes, it can. Or, or not being completely sure of themselves. Or, I mean, there's, and again, as you've said, take all of this with a grain of salt, but there are some common threads to everything that we're saying that seem to apply to a lot of people. Now, if someone is touching you, you need to pay attention to that body language as well. A light touch indicates they like you. We mentioned the earlobe. This can indicate attraction. Now, someone, I don't like it if someone touches me too much. Like if, if I'm interviewing someone and, and they're like, oh, yeah, and they laugh too much at what I say and they put their hand on my shoulder, to me, that's kind of phony. Yes, I agree with that. And it can also be, this goes back to your default position of trust in yourself if someone lightly touches your arm and you feel like, oh, that gives me the willies, even though it should come across as, you know, that it's, it's not harsh, it's not offensive, but your physical or your, excuse me, your internal reaction is a red flag. That can be something to pay attention to as well. Definitely. So you can take these skills and you can apply them in your own life. Like if you're going on an interview make sure you shake their hand firmly, maintain good posture. That says a lot about your confidence. Try to avoid crossing your arms and legs, maintain good eye contact, not appropriately, and try to mirror the interviewer's body posture. Because as Denise pointed out, when we do that, it sends a subtle message that I like you, we have a lot in common, this is going well. If you're giving a presentation, look out for bored, fidgety people and try to re-engage them. Use open palm hand gestures, hand gestures, nod with people, smile a lot. If you're in a group, notice the eye contact of others. Are some eyeing each other a lot? Are there any raised eyebrows? Look at the body posture and hand positions of the group as a whole. And it's important to notice eyebrows as well. One eyebrow raised can mean, I don't know about this. Two eyebrows raised can mean, I think you're being insecure. Um, I'm sorry. I think you're being insincere or I'm not sure about what you're saying. So every part of our body is sending subtle cues and messages. Right. And even, you know, pay attention to your own voice, your own tone, your own inflection. And 
I was talking with someone the other day and she's uh, on the West Coast and we were laughing about, she was from the East Coast and then moved back out West and she was saying how, you know, there's, there's a, a more of a clip tone in parts of New England that you don't hear in other parts and it can come across as rather harsh, even though someone may be very kind and open. It's a regional dialect kind of stuff, but really pay attention to someone's tone and inflection between in inflection and voice when they're speaking to you and you're speaking to them, how your posture is, are you standing up straight? Are your shoulders rolled it or are they back? Um, but also breathing can be an indicator of how someone is feeling because if we're angry or upset, we tend to breathe more quickly. And if we're annoyed or frustrated, there's more sighs involved. So if you're talking to someone and you, you become more aware of your breath or be aware of, of if they're sighing a lot, if they're, breathing has become quicker. And that can also be those subtle signs that might not be as obvious as someone crossing their arms or not making eye contact. Every encounter we have with someone is an exchange of energy. And so we have to be very cognizant of the energy we are giving off at all times. If we're feeling confident and happy, we're going to give off that energy in our body language, our tone, and our words. If we're feeling unsure or nervous, we can give that off too. Now, I do have to say, I believe you can fake it till you make it. I agree. You know, like I have gone on interviews where I have thought, oh my gosh, I am going to bomb at this. I remember going on the interview for my teaching job and the final leg of the interview, I had to teach a pretend class in front of a committee of 12. Mm -hmm. I was so nervous and I just went in there, and before I walked in the door, I was like, Samantha, you're amazing. You're going to knock their socks off. I took a deep breath. I put a big smile on my face, and I just kept telling myself, these people love me. And I walked in, and I did great. That's, uh, that's huge. And, and again, going back to have been pretty shy at one point, before job interviews, I would have to go in, and I'd have to remind myself, make eye contact you know, keep your shoulders back. Like I would go through the body language stuff, lean forward a little bit. So you show an interest. I mean, you can, you can practice, you made an excellent point. You can practice this stuff so that it becomes more part of the way you interact with people. And if we portray more self-confidence and sense of self, that's what will, will be returned back to us as well. Exactly. And as you said, it will help us as empaths start to realize, am I really feeling this or am I just, you know, unconsciously mirroring what the other person is doing and feeling? Exactly. So it'll help us to naturally put up those psychic protection barriers that empaths really need to work on consciously and unconsciously. It could also be a really good technique if you're dealing with someone whose body language doesn't feel good, if you mirror that back, maybe that's allowing you to step more into your own power and strength and not feel as vulnerable. Yeah, exactly. And I think we can use our body language to help others feel relaxed. Yes. Haven't you ever like walked up to a situation like, oh, I remember being at the DMV a couple of years ago and the woman was just, she was not in a good mood. And I forgot my glasses and I didn't know you had to do the eye exam for the renewal. Mm -hmm. And 
she was just sitting behind that big desk and she was like, if you don't have your glasses, ma'am, you're going to have to make another appointment and wait in line and come back. And, and I just took a deep breath and I dropped my shoulders and I just started talking to her about her. And I was like, you know, I bet that this job has got to be so stressful. How many, how many kind people do you come across in a day? Mm-hmm. And I just started talking to her and relaxing my body language. And she dropped her shoulders and relaxed. And she let me take the thing Wow! out the eye exam. Wow, that's amazing. Got my renewal. And then I learned you could do it online. So it was kind of moot anyway. But I do think that you can use all of these tips and techniques to help other people feel relaxed and bring some joy into their lives and navigate yourself through some difficult situations like the DMV. (laughs) And I want to add one last little thing that we haven't talked about, but that was just all the years that I worked with, with different populations of students, that proximity. And I, I don't like when people get, in my space bubble. I don't like when people get too close to me. It feels invasive. Um, and I know there were certain students that I worked with over the years that you would have to you know, stand to their left or you would have to be very conscious of that, that space between the two of you. And I think that that's another thing as empaths that we need to be aware of is, are you feeling violated with the energy that's coming from someone's body language as well as the physical body language itself? I think that's a great point. I have my little cube around myself too of invisible space I need. I'm always shocked when people don't pick up on the social cues. You know, like I can tell so easily when someone is bored by something I'm saying Mm -hmm. or I can tell if I've invaded someone's personal space right away. Like if you're sitting on an airplane next to someone and you've got a book in your hand, don't talk to them. Why don't some people understand that? I can't tell you how many times I've been on a plane with ear, ear pod things in my ears, a book in my hand, and the person next to me is still like, so where are you going? Where are you from? What are you doing? What do you know? <laughs> Blows my mind. Or students who don't respect my physical space. I mean, I've had students come up to ask me a question after class and we're like toe to toe and I take a step back and they take a step forward. And I'm like, what are you not understanding here? So maybe it's genetic, like you're saying, and they don't have a lot of empathy. I don't know. But that's a, that's a pet peeve of mine is someone who's not picking up on the subtle and sometimes not so subtle social cues. Right. And, and also having respect for... And I'm immediately thinking of a lot of students I worked with that were on the autism spectrum, that they're not going, many, I'm not going to say all, but many have a difficult time with with prolonged eye contact or making eye contact or physical proximity or reading those subtle cues. So there are uh, social programs that help these students or these young people, but just know that that could also be, it goes back to what I said earlier about cultural differences. That can also be if someone has um, any, any type of um, autism, Asperger's, that type of a thing. I had an autistic student in my class one year. He remains one of my favorite students. And I knew right away he had some autism. You know, he couldn't do the eye contact. He would turn beet red if I asked him a question in class. But he was just the nicest kid I think I've ever taught. 
And I ran into him not too long ago at the grocery store. He was checking, he was bagging my groceries. And I was like, oh my gosh, how are you? And, and I knew like not to hug him. I knew not to, you know, get right. too close, not to make too much eye contact. And he said, do you want some help to your car? And I was like, no, I got it. I'm fine. And he's like, no, really, can I please walk you to your car? And I was like, okay. So we go out to my car and he said, Miss Faye, I've been working on my, on my social skills and I'm learning to hug people. can I give you a hug? And I was like, yes, of course. And I knew it was such a big thing for him. And it, it still makes me smile to think about. Oh, that's wonderful. I know. It's just, it's got to be so different when, you know, you just don't understand a lot of, a lot of this subtleness. So I, I didn't mean to be rude about people who don't understand social cues. I'm not talking. Oh, you weren't. No, no. It's just, I think we're all trying so hard to make connections with each other right now and, and bring that sense of unity that um, these are really useful tips to be able to a realize I'm an empath and I feel everything so deeply. These cues can help me pay more attention to people. I'm not making this stuff up in my head. This person is being subtly aggressive or is being, is ignoring me or is being dismissive or is really interested. So I, I think they're great, great tools for all of us. I feel so bad for teachers right now. You know, my younger two are doing all of their schooling online. And I listen in sometimes to the Zooms. Well, because they're teenagers, they won't put their camera on and they mute themselves. Mm-hmm. And I kind of wish teachers would make them put their camera on, you know, that they would make that a part of the grade, like a participation grade. But what do I know? So my daughter's in this one class with this super sweet teacher. And every time I walk past the dining room where she's working, I hear the teacher go, I can't see you. So I don't know if any of you are understanding this. Normally, I pay attention to nods or quizzical expressions. I'm getting none of that feedback. Please let me know. Just put in the chat room a thumbs up. And oh, my heart just went out to her. That's so hard because that's how we interact with people is by picking up on these on these body language cues. Yes. Yes. I saw a picture. Someone thought it was funny. I thought it was sad. And it showed a little kindergarten person like slumped over, like laying backwards on the chair upside down because during the school Zoom for kindergarten, and I thought these poor little folks that need, when I did, I taught K through to self-contained for many years. And, um, you know, it was that get up, move, do things, interact, play together, learn those social cues, learn. All, and that's so, so difficult right now for these little people. I know. I know. It's so troublesome because there aren't any clear answers or guidance right now. But when we had your sister on, she was the, she was very much uh, gave us tips on how to to interact and keep keep that uh, that connection, and that's what we're all looking for right now is connection. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And we've got to find it in any way that we can. And I think you can even use these body language cues on a Zoom if you turn your camera on. <laughs> I was telling my kids when I was teaching the Be Your Own Psychic class last month, there was one woman who was always first on and she was, her face was first on when I would click and she would smile and nod the entire time I taught. 
And every night I'd close out the Zoom and I'd say to my girls, that's all we need as teachers. We just need someone to smile and nod and say, yeah, I'm getting it. And please put your camera on because teachers need this. We need that feedback. And I think in just life in general, we need that feedback, especially sensitive empaths. And so it is so hard that we're not getting that now, but I think we're coming to the tail end of all of it, don't you? I do. I do. And I think that we'll, this too shall pass. And my heartfelt prayer every, every day is that this is going to bring us together in unity. Yes. Amen. I agree. Well, we hope you guys have enjoyed this show. Thank you so much for listening and sending us great ideas for more shows. We read every email and we respond as much as we can. If you want to reach out to us, you can send us an email at enlightenedempaths at gmail.com. And please join us on Facebook at Enlightened Empaths. We try to post some fun stuff and some informative articles. So we'd love to continue building our community there. If you're interested in taking our Mediumship 101 class that Denise and I are teaching during the daytime, Fridays in October from noon to 1.30 Eastern, please send us an email. You can find our email and contact information at both of our websites. Mine is samanthafay.com and Denise's is thegratefulmessenger.com. We hope you guys have a beautiful, blessed week. As always, please remember to show up, do great work, and share your light. Take care.